welcome to the Mayfair. Oh, oh. sorry. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time that's ever happened, though. Hey, everybody. This is the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Andrew. This is Josh. I'm Eric. This podcast will be for the week of May 4th through 10th, 2018, if you're listening in a punctual manner. It might be the second today. What is it? I don't is know. It? I don't second? Know. Yeah. It's Wednesday. I, it's rooming out. Once it turned May, I got all thrown off, and I was like, oh, well, just, it's all gone now. Well, yeah, it's May the 4th, which is the... I don't know when it happened that Star Wars and culture embraced the pun of may the 4th being an actual like paid holiday i don't know when that happened we've been doing it for years but i mean i don't know when the world tuned in it seems like it was only the last couple years like maybe even force awakens stuff yeah yeah. there was always the pun i feel like lee would know yeah if if, if this was like live to his house he would be calling you right now and be like it was this time it was this right now his spidey senses are going up someone's mentioning star wars and i'm not there (laughs) but it's funny because Lee and I are going to be hosting a Star Wars trivia across the street at Black Squirrel Books on May 4th. Again, if you're listening to this right away. But that night at the Mayfair, there's no Star Wars stuff going on because we can't. There's mm-hmm. nothing. Because we'll go to jail. Yeah. yeah. Or is there? Maybe you should come to the <laughs> yeah. movies that night and maybe... What is? Well, you know, uh, what's on May 4th? C'est la vie? That's very <laughs> you're Star trying to Wars-esque. Make it happen. Yeah. You were never really here? That's uh, Star Wars-y. That sure. sounds like it could be. I could mean, be if you didn't know anything about that movie, they're like... He kind of looks like Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah, he's got a beard going. Obi-Wan used the hammer in that one scene, I assume. It was but a deleted scene. It's funny. Even now, somehow rumors circulated, because when Black Squirrel came to us saying, hey, do you guys want to host a Geek Trivia Night... They did so because they heard that we were screening a Star Wars movie on May the 4th. Mm. So I don't know where that came from. Know. Well, yeah, because they told me the same thing. He was like, did you hear we're doing a trivia thing and there's a screening? And I was like, oh, what's the screening? And he's like, basically like, well, I got to go. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I think he really did have to go. But I was just like, wow, that'll be cool. And then I asked like you about it. And you were like, I don't know anything don't about know, yeah. that. <laughs> but that would have been cool, the, the made up screening that's not real. Like, who knows? I wonder if someone was just hopeful and was like... I think it's like a non-rights understanding thing where someone's like, you know what would be great is if yeah. they played Star Wars. Like, no one's suggested that. <laughs> and it's almost unfortunate that this year it's on a Friday because that's a day when we kind of usually screen more mainstream stuff, new mm-hmm. releases. Because say if it was on a Wednesday or Thursday, I thought we could have gotten away with maybe screening something that isn't Star Wars but is in the family like yeah. American Graffiti or THX 1138 which I think is available or like Battle or, Beyond the Stars or something yeah like, well, well that wouldn't okay. be that, even that wouldn't <laughs> be available. yeah well that's a whole other we'll bring up the Corman thing every time we come in that's yeah. the Corman one right yeah okay good I thought it was May the 4th last year but it wasn't it was later in May that we screened what was it called? Twenty five seventy seven, or it was it was, oh, it was the movie about yeah. a kid who was a fan of Star Wars. Oh Man. yeah, five two five seventy seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I missed that, and I realized I saw that. It was it's a weird movie because the story behind it is almost more interesting than it's, the film. You can kind of tell by watching it that it was made probably off and on for a period of years, like a decade, I think. Yeah. Right? So it's kind of it's really uneven, and there's good stuff in it, but it's kind of it needed kind of another trip through the editing bay I felt <laughs> it almost seemed like and it had it's the kid from American Graffiti right no it's no, American Graffiti and Geeks, Freaks and Geeks, that's what yeah. I meant to say our version of American uh, yeah. Graffiti <laughs> yeah yeah so it had like a real who was like, one of the co-directors of Game Night oddly yeah, enough really? like he's a filmmaker now I didn't know that that's wild and we also had a movie that I liked it was a, a 
about kind of the fourth tier actors who are now at Comic Cons and stuff like that. The guys who played Stormtroopers like or Jeremy Bullock or something. Or well, he's I guess even higher up than that. What was but. that one? I can't remember what that one's called either. But so we've had a couple of you know Star Wars documentaries or that mm-hmm. kind of thing. One that I really liked called The People versus George Lucas. That was it as much of a kick George when he's down as I thought it might have been. Yeah, it, yeah. it had some very interesting points. For, for either side of the, mm-hmm. you know, people hating the prequels, people like, oh, it's not that bad, or people mad at merchandising, and people like, you don't have to buy everything. You yeah, know? It, yeah. it was very well done. But, yeah, unfortunately, all the Star Wars movies we can't screen, Willow we can't screen. I'm surprised, it, sooner or later, Indiana Jones we're not going to be able to screen whenever the Paramount deal ends and yeah. Indiana Jones officially becomes total Disney, which I think is happening soon. I think whenever the... <laughs> When the new Indiana Jones film comes out, I believe that'll be yeah. 100% under the Disney banner and not Paramount. And we might get that for, like, two days, potentially, in, like, two, yes. three years or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, but that that's that's not quite the same. They're like, are you showing Temple of Doom? It's like, well, no, <laughs> not Temple of Doom, but uh, I don't know why that's my go-to. I, I know most I people would say the first or third. Yeah, I don't know. I feel or like I always have to... Skull. Yeah, no one, no one, like, brings that up as much. See, I fully admit I might have just been nerd brainwashed, and uh, and I have only seen it once in the theater, but I liked Crystal Skull, and it was one of those movies where you ever leave a movie where you're like, I really like that, and then you look around the room and you're like, wait, nobody else liked that. Yeah, <laughs> like it must have been me, right? That's like, how I felt after the new Blair Witch movie. Uh, oh where yeah, I was yeah. like, oh man, like that was. I, was, I didn't pay to see it, so right. I, I was like coming out of the free screening, and I was like, oh man, it was so great, and people are like, oh, it, was, it was all right, I guess, and I'm just like, yeah. oh man, and now. Yeah, I don't know. No one talks about it anymore. That's not a good sign most of the time. <laughs> I wonder if history will be kinder to Crystal Skull at all, because it's weird. My spoiler alert, if anyone cares, but the end of Crystal Skull, I thought, was very loyal to its era. I haven't seen it, by the way. You haven't I'm, seen it? I, no, I, I, I was waiting on this one. I wanted to see if I could like yeah. make you feel bad about the spoiler, <laughs> but I've yeah, I heard too much bad stuff, and I yeah, just was yeah. like, I don't... I don't care. Like, yeah. I, I know, I'm not mad about it, but I'm just sort of, like, indifferent, I guess. Yeah, and there's that, too. It's it's when people hold a grudge on a movie. You know, ten years from now, I'm not going to be yelling at people about Suicide Squad. <laughs> I just be like, oh, I didn't like that. I hope that's true. <laughs> yeah. We'll hold you to that. My daily blog, where I write a daily report of my yeah. hatred of Suicide you're, Squad. You're still allowed to discuss the ending spoiler, like, I'm, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Well, it's... It was UFO-related. Right. Alien-related. I mean, yeah, I heard about that. This. And some people seemed aghast by that. And it was like, remember the first movie where the yeah. hand of God came down? Isn't or, it set you know, in like, the 50s, too? Yeah, like, so, so I mean, Area 51 and all like, that. It's like, well, well, no, this is too far. We've yeah. had three movies where everything has been pretty on the level, but this one yeah. thing. The first three documentaries, they had the hand of God... Voodoo magic and an immortal night. Yeah, Those are fun. It's like, no, I had no problem with any of that. But yeah. this, aliens, no, alien, that doesn't yeah. exist. I'm curious where they'll go with the fifth one, which is actually officially totally happening now. Yeah, and like if he if he like jumps and runs less or punches less, is he going to be in the seventies? Oh man, now that could be sixties <laughs> or seventies could be great. Like, there's so many ways they could take this that would be hilarious, man. but. Probably not. It would be amazing if it was in the 70s and he, like, walks by them making Star Wars or something and yeah. then goes super meta with it. He's like, well, what was Crystal's... I guess it'll be the late 60s if they go officially chronologically. Yeah, I, that's... It's gonna get weird. weird. I didn't even think about that. And they could bring back Connery for no real reason. I mean. Well, and, you know, once upon a time, I would have been totally opposed to somebody else playing Indiana Jones in the movies. Yeah. 
But really, I know they're kind of, you know, they're hit and miss with people, but I really like the J.J. Star Trek stuff. And that's what really convinced me to go, oh, yeah, here's somebody else playing characters that I love. Yeah. What about River Phoenix in... Uh, yeah, that's true, too. Second, wait, first one? Third Sorry, one. Third one. Yeah. <laughs> As I said, I'm like, I have no idea. Which, I'm going to pick a number and be wrong. So, But if they came out, we're like, we're doing another Indiana Jones with... Even he's probably getting too old now, but like Chris Pratt or yeah. somebody, I'd be like, yeah, okay. I yeah. just want to see more Indiana Jones style adventures. I never know what's too old anymore. Like now that you have like like series like Insidious or, or uh, Tremors even that, that are yeah. anchored by 70 year old actors and you're just like, cool. Like, yeah. all right, <laughs> man, I'm down for that. Like, I Well, mean, they're still making those Tremors movies. Yeah. There's a new one just came out with yesterday. Uh, yeah. Michael Gross. Uh, I wish we could screen those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a whole other thing. I, mean, I don't think people realize there's six of them. It's madness. And a TV series? Yeah, they... Yeah, there, there was a TV series. There was, And then yeah, they just canceled... Oh, or, well, pre... I guess it doesn't count as canceled that they didn't make it, but they were making a new one with Kevin Bacon. Yeah, they did a pilot with Kevin Bacon, and it should get picked up. Could have been cool. I want to see that. Also could have been terrible, I guess, but yeah. anything could, so, I mean, why not? But, like, how old was Charles Bronson when he was killing people in Death Wish? Oh, the, He was old, right? The fifth well, one, he's... In the first one, he was probably in, like, his late 40s, early 50s. Probably, yeah. yeah. And the then by the time he did the fifth one, yeah, he, he must have I been think like he was 75. Oh, yeah, like, it was, he didn't do a lot. He just kind of wandered around and maybe shot, shot people. some people. Yeah. Like, which I guess is the premise of all the movies, but... So, yeah, well, like, with him, it's he was sort of like, you know, don't give me a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Don't make me <laughs> no run too much. <laughs> so, like, old guy action heroes is nothing new. I mean, no. John Wayne did a couple of Western... Well, he was, yeah, he was still making movies up until, like, 70... Six. What was the kind of Charles Bronson ripoff esque one that John Wayne did, where it was old John Wayne as a cop? Oh, he did two of those. People. He did um, McHugh. Yeah. Where he played that was his version of Dirty Harry. Right. And then he did one called Brannigan, which was him oh, as a cop, but he he goes to England. That's amazing. Two different characters though. Like two he, different characters. Okay, yeah. But Brannigan, yeah, he's an American cop in England. Yeah. Both of which are, I, did, I think, are well, kind of fun. If you like Wayne and that kind of movie, yeah, I mean, they're kind of. Wrong. I mean, he's pretty over the hill at, <laughs> at that point, but they're still they're still yeah. kind of fun to watch. I mean, a, he didn't move much in the western, so I can't imagine him like really. diving bullets or flipping over cars or anything. Yeah, he was no. never like running around all that much, real like on a horse maybe, but you know. Because I watched all the Death Wishes in a fairly small period of time years ago, and I don't know how it was something crazy, like it was like a. Bravo Film Festival, or but it was something where for like four or five weeks in a row they played them all. This is way back, like when I was in like high school or something, mm -hmm. probably. And I just remember them getting progressively more, and the first one's offensive, but progressively yeah. more yeah. offensive. And even as and a absurd. teen, you're watching it and you're like, oh, that's kind of racist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially the, I think the third one is like pretty because that's the Canon Films one, I think. Yeah, they, well, the two and three and four canon films. Did they do a two as well? Yeah. I didn't even realize that. Everyone's sad, right? Like, the first one, when his daughter dies, the second one, his wife... Like, yeah. everyone... Something... No, the, fir the first one is his daughter and wife are raped. Oh, the do yes. the, uh, the mother... Uh, the wife dies. Yeah. The second one, the daughter dies. And then the, th the third one is, like, his partner The third the one is, getting like, he's There's living something. in a tenement and, like, his war buddy is killed. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then in the fourth one, he's dating another woman... And so he's got kind of a stepped up. Yeah. Or not? So he's like basically 
I think every woman that he's married to or dates gets killed. Yeah. And I remember that it's the fourth one's the last one. The fifth the one. Fifth one. Fifth but one. it was like years later, a different company. So, but I remember the fourth or fifth one. It starts off and like the music's nice and light and he's on a date with a woman. And he's <laughs> That's had a his, bad sign. His yeah. life's turned around. And it's like 15 <laughs> minutes in, she's dead and he's yeah. killing yeah. people again. And yeah. it's just like... Oh, the poor bastard. And it sounds bad, but, like, I could do without the rapes. Like, it's like the murder, it's like, okay, cool. Well, not cool, but, like, you know, it's like John Wick type stuff. You're like, okay, something or someone's going to die, and then the fun killing will happen. But it's like... There's, it's like an extent. I think the second one too is like a ten minute rave scene. It feels, or maybe it's well, like ten. The, but. The, these movies, not all of them, but one, uh, one, two, and three were directed by Michael Winner. Oh, oh who yeah, had a reputation for liking to direct uh, rape scenes too much. Uh, he did the mechanic, didn't he? He did the, mecha- the mechanic. I don't think there good. is one in that. Which I, really I don't like no, the, movie. the mechanic's actually pretty good. Yeah, good flick. Well, I think behind the camera too. That era, like. I don't know, 70, 75% of the filmmakers would be put in jail. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, I thought you were going to oh, say yeah. we're, we're on drugs, but I mean, either way. It's like half-half. It's probably both. I love the old, craggly French filmmakers coming out now and being like, Kevin Spacey's not so bad. And you're like, no, no, it is, yeah. Well, Bertolucci was, Bernardo Bertolucci was recently saying, like, you know, Ridley Scott should be ashamed of himself for cutting... For yeah. firing Kevin Spacey and reshooting with Christopher Plummer. No. <laughs> See, I, I'm, I'm more than anything. I'm just impressed he was able to pull that off. Like the oh, turnaround yeah. on that is just nuts. And I'm like, okay, like first of all, you're wrong about the Kevin Spacey yeah. should stay in it part. But second of all, like just unbelievable from filmmaker to filmmaker, you should be, like and wow. I, and I and I really like that movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. I finally yeah. saw it. Like I, I was I was uh, really impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Especially a plumber, I mean, who is, you know, I don't know how much, like, I almost, I don't want to say he was, like, sleepwalking through it. Like, I mean that in a good way. Like, he's yeah. just, he's so good that he can just step in and be like, all right, so I'm this guy, here's this, and yeah. bam. Done. Like, Krusty Clown recording, like, sound clips for his doll. You know, he's just like, bada bing, bada boom, I'm done. You're like, wow, Chris. Well, even, like, Ridley Scott kind of said something that sounded like a, like a further dig on top of replacing all the scenes, but somebody said, how did you do it so quickly? And he said, well, when you have a professional actor who comes in and yeah. knows all his lines and does yeah. everything in one take and is great, that took 15 minutes instead of an hour. Yeah. And everything kind of... When you hire Lex Luthor, everything takes forever. Yeah. yeah, that era. And it's funny that in that era, also, you know, Sigourney Weaver Alien came out and Princess Leia came out. Like, so there were mm. some the baby footsteps of the awesome female hero yeah. kind of coming out of that era as mm. well, kind of going into the 80s a little bit. And Linda Hamilton and Linda uh, Hamilton, yeah. Terminator, oh, yeah. for yeah. sure. Well, and, and also, too, like it's it's amusing to see like most of the Star Wars mm-hmm. knockoffs just sort of don't care about the female character at all. They're just like whatever. She's also there, and it's like whereas Leia, like there was a nice progression of her, you know, being in charge and and you know really getting tougher as it goes along as well. I like the the, the handful of parts in the original Star Wars where Leia is the only not dumb person on the screen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where like Han and Luke don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Chewie's kind of yelling and freaking out. Yeah, you well, know, he's kind of always yelling, I, I guess. Or Three just a mess, like you know, and she's like, <laughs> "Let's do this, let's do this." Yeah, and she's got the blaster and she's shooting stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, like, pretty there, there's a sense that if they hadn't showed up, she would have got out of there okay. I was, I was <laughs> like, so, like, yeah. She would have our alternate version of the movie. It's like yeah. she was fine. She would have picked the lock, got out. <laughs> yeah, you know, defeated Vader. Yeah, it would have. It, it was totally unnecessary. Yeah, Obi Wan wouldn't have been killed. Yeah, everything be fine. Yeah, that's that's good. I prefer this version of the movie. <laughs> we should show that on May fourth. <laughs> yeah, your, your weird director's cut. Version. I'll just do a one man. 
I'll do like a Crispin Glover one-man show. Yeah. Did we pay to see this? <laughs> <laughs> He's been going on for two hours. With a slideshow presentation and action figure puppets. I would watch this, by the way. Great. <laughs> Still. Okay, let's talk about... There you go. We're 17 minutes in. That's a good That's intro. That's our new record, I <laughs> think, almost. Intro. And I do like... By, by the way, not... I'm, this isn't even off topic, but yeah. uh, the, the You Were Never Here is kind of like 70s throwback-ish to some of those yeah. vigilante things. So I don't know if that was deliberate that we sort of segued into all that, but... Just skill. That That's worked out. Yeah, it really did. Sure. Michael Winter directed it, too. That's the weird... No, yeah, <laughs> he, he did not. He's dead. Yeah. The opposite. <laughs> a dead guy directed The yeah. super opposite, Lynn Ramsey directed it. You Were Never Really Here... Um, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. I only heard about it pretty recently. Some people are saying it's it's a more art house John Wick kind of okay. in that genre. Anyhow, it a, looks. I mean, it sort of looks like old boy a little bit in that yeah, that he's got yeah. kind of a hammer and he's. <laughs> I think he's kind of distraught. Like yeah, he's, he does yeah, have a hammer. Yeah. I don't know if the movie's from his point of view, but it's sort of like maybe like his perception of things is inaccurate or yeah one of those weird head trips because he's he's got like ptsd or something he's like a war vet yeah he is yeah he's a war vet and a keystone for me 89 minutes perfect is it set like modern day i think it's modern day yes yeah he's running he saves kids i think i think that's his thing he's like an avenging angel only with a violently yeah violently (laughs) goes after but nonetheless it's only rated 14a here because Canadians Weird. are, like, this is, I think, totally R-rated in the States. We're just laid back. We don't care. And, really. I, and I've gotten into that debate with people online. Well, not debate so much, but it's just sort of like, what was the first R-rated movie you saw kind yeah. of thing? And a lot of the ones people were naming, I was like, well, that's not R-rated. And, yeah. But it was. And mm-hmm. there, and it's, and here it's, for, like, The Matrix was restricted in the States, apparently. There Will Be Blood was rated PG in Ontario. Yeah. Jeez. I've noticed lately, in the last few months maybe, 14A seems to be the go-to Canadian rating. Like I would say, maybe as high I'd say, like like seventy-five percent of movies yeah, are yeah. 14 unless it's what really we show bad. are mostly 14A. Yeah, unless yeah. you're getting like winner-esque scenes in there, then uh, that may be 18A to the hard R. But... Well, like right now, you were never really here, 14A, uh, and then we have Hoshalaga back for a second week. That's 14A. Hmm. la Vie, a new uh, French farce that we have. That's 14A. It's very interesting. That seems to be the go-to. And I think the modern 14A is, like, I don't know what PG is. Like, PG, is PG still, I remember hearing this and never looking it up, but like, PG, you get one F-bomb. It was like that. But not even nudity? You get get two S-bombs, I think, or maybe like three or four if you don't have an F-bomb. I think that's what, there's all these weird, and you can, like, no nudity, or maybe like a side shot or something. Or nudity if it's completely of the story something like that like if it's not gratuitous and I think you can show blood if it's not red or if it's yeah. not like gosh it's so weird because that's why like most of the Marvel movies will have like green blood in an alien or something it's like we can show that that's not weird or like Sam Raimi back in the day with Evil Dead yeah they avoided an X rating on Evil Dead 2 by having the blood be purple and green yeah. and, and, and like the black and white and Kill Bill as well like it's just oh, like yeah. or Taxi ways. Driver where that, that big shootout scene at the end they desaturated the color interesting oh. um forget why they can't now with digital technology for, for some reason they can't redo it so it'll never look as it'll it it'll never it'll, they can never un they can never undo what they did with the color correction for some reason i think it's because well, it would look kind of weird the negative's not available or yeah something. just the way it was recorded yeah. or something yeah that's that's really interesting especially like with all the like color correction that goes into dvd and blu-ray releases yeah now, like but I don't know if you'd want them tinkering with it at this point, because like the only version you've ever seen is that one. 
So it's yeah. like, what's what's the original? They did anymore? that with French Connection. William Friedkin did a, a Blu-ray of French Connection where he did a, a weird kind of color correction and yeah. made it look kind of weird and like less. He he made it because that movie, like if you saw it in theaters or on video originally, it had a real rough, gritty kind of look to it. Yeah, and apparently he kind of polished it a bit yeah and fans of the film were like oh, he <laughs> yeah. shouldn't have done that and he's like replaced the guns with walkie talkies like, yeah oh, come on yeah. it's like there, there's a very interesting argument lately and i can't remember who brought it up but basically saying maybe the auteur theory doesn't work for movies maybe it works for books and songs and mm-hmm. poems but if you look at a lot of movies that are considered the best yeah like say like the first star wars it was really a group effort like George Lucas's wife at the time was editing. Yeah. He had a couple of like ghostwriters helping him with the script. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of improv. There was a lot of last minute, we got to change this because we're out of money. Oh, All yeah. that kind of stuff. Whereas you see like a director's cut of something, often that's the one where people go, or when directors get to a certain point. Like I, I watched BFG recently and thought it was genuinely terrible. Like across the board. <laughs> Terrible. This is not what I expected you to say. No, and like other movies I'll watch of Spielberg where I'll go, yeah, I didn't like Hook, but I might have seen it too old, so I get why kids like it. Yeah. You know, I can do that. Mm-hmm. But BFG I thought was terrible. And I think it's because Spielberg's got to the point where everybody's like going, that's great, Steven. Nobody's yeah. saying maybe rewrite this. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, no one's no one's questioning him. And that's yeah. the problem is yeah. I think it's it's sometimes good when you see or you hear about even something pretty big shot like you know, J.J. Um, Abrams with a Star Trek film, like showing a rough cut to Simon Pegg and Edgar yeah. Wright and people like that and, and taking notes. So I always think about that when a director, especially of a classic, like from the 70s, I never watched it because I was, I don't know, I think I'll hate it, but they took The Warriors, which I love, and from what I understand, really clunkily put in kind of comic book panels yeah. and like... Yeah, they balloons. put in like a, uh, like a prologue... And they put in comic book panel transitions. Like different music too, I think. Is what in one uh, there's a version. With yeah, which which I l- like the idea of. but yeah. it, he, it's just sort of one of those things where Walter Hill, who's you know a smart filmmaker, he did that you know thirty years after the fact. So it was just kind of too like you know too late. You yeah, know, we should have just if he couldn't have done it in nineteen seventy nine, why do it now? Yeah, or like yeah. I, I other than to resell the film, you know. Yeah, and like I really but, love American Graffiti, and that movie George Lucas had. Coppola as his boss like Coppola was pretty big shot at the time so Lucas was writer director but I think Coppola was in there kind of really had his thumbs in it you know so it wasn't just one person so I always think about that especially nowadays where I really like the Marvel movies or the Star Wars movies and those aren't auteurs at all like that's somebody being a hired gun director but I like the final product yeah and so it's maybe film works and especially film where you're like there's a cinematographer and a, someone doing the score and actors who might improv a line. Like, yeah. it's not like some off-Broadway one-person show. So, yeah, I always like, think about that when I hear about somebody changing around French Connection or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, they, but it's these 60-year-old filmmakers who are like, hey, what if I... I wanted When I was 30 and I made this movie, I wanted to do this, so maybe now with DVD I can do it now. Yeah, and it's like, like well, Jabba you're not... had in the first West Yeah, Wars. you're like, you, maybe you wanted to skateboard when he was yeah. funny but just because now you're 60 it's like doesn't mean you should do it I'd watch a movie about Walter yeah. Hill skateboarding though that would yeah. be pretty great yeah. it was Tim Burton of all people but I remember him saying because somebody asked him if he would do special editions of any of his early films and I really like his early stuff mm-hmm. and he said he said no I think even if it's he goes can you I remember him specifically referencing could you imagine going back and touching up 
Ray Harryhausen's skeletons in one of his stop motion movies. And you're like, God, no, you no, leave well, that just alone. The, the thought of that is like. Yeah. And, and it happened with colorization when I was a kid. I remember it was a really big thing. And you'd walk into like a, you know, a Zeller's and there'd be colorized this old movie, colorized that. Yeah. And I, my mom got me, I was like 12 maybe, and my mom got me from the cheap bins a Night of the Living Dead on VHS. Wait, not realizing it was then. colorized. <laughs> but I just took our old timey TV and all I had to do was take the knob and turn yeah. it to black and white and it was not fine. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> you can fix it. You can turn anything black and white now. Now that it's all about turning the opposite which is sort of funny with like Mad Max Fury Road and The Mist and stuff. Yeah, it's it's like true. Now people want it to be decolorized I guess. Like, Wait, like, can you imagine us screening Maltese Falcon and being like it's the colorized version Ugh, people it, would freak it's better <laughs> yeah <laughs> people would go go mad yeah might be like a, a fun one-off like midnight show but that's about yeah. it like it's... and especially because it was technology from 25 years ago it wasn't good no everybody kind of looked horrible and pale and all the colors looked off yeah it's, it's not even a good curio even like because you, you can only watch it for a few minutes yeah you're just... gives you a headache yeah yeah, yeah. like <laughs> your eyes want to throw up it's the worst thing <laughs> And, uh, okay, so we briefly mentioned... <laughs> one movie. One movie. Well, you did mention did. C'est la Vie. I mentioned. C'est la Vie is a French comedy. It's from the director of... Intouchable. Which is great. I saw <laughs> that, that here, like, four or five years ago, which is being remade as an American movie as we speak. I think With it's like... Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston and Kevin Hart, I do believe. Oh, yeah, that's Whoa. right, yeah. And... That's a fun combo. So I bet you C'est la Vie is being remade right it's now It's the life! Well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like... With Chris Rock and Adam Sandler. But it looks like the trailer, which I've seen half a dozen times now, people totally laughing at the trailer. Okay. At, like, here in front of movies. It is a comedy, right? Yes, okay, yes, good. yes. About this wedding party. About you know, a wedding that old, goes horribly in, wrong? Yeah, well, these people, it's the people putting it together and they're struggling to, like, keep everyone in line or something. Like, yeah, they're doing it. Yeah. They're doing it in this 17th century Whoa. castle or something, or palace? Yeah, okay, it's like so a giant It's wedding. not a period piece, then. It's just... No, no, no but okay. they're doing it in this, like, this old palace. All right. Yeah. All right, this could be good. So it'll probably be a good-looking film. I bet you it'll do really well, too. Oh, and then we have Hoshalega back for a second week, yes. Finding Your Feet back for a second week. Our Ottawa premiere this week is Low Life, which I think looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Great poster. It really makes you want to see it. I think it's Pulp Fiction-esque. I think it's... Uh, well, it's set in a pawn shop, apparently. Hmm. So and the main character is a luchador. Yeah, <laughs> so it it looks sort of like the the pawn shop sequence, a feature length version of the yeah. pawn shop sequence from Pulp Fiction. Hmm. And it won. I, I think this is the most telling thing that makes me want to see it. Is it won the jury prize at Fantasia Film Fest, which I love. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and that's um, interesting. So I love any time that we get a hmm. film that they screened, but that we got their jury prize winner means yeah. it's probably going to be awesome. That's interesting, because usually they kind of skew more to sci-fi, horror, yeah. fantasy, so I don't know if there's elements of I don't that. think so. I think it's just a, a crime. crime genre, but, yeah. a, but a more over-the-top crime genre, maybe? More hmm. comic booky crime genre? Interesting. Well, I'm really thrown out. That, the yeah. Fantasia thing, of all the festivals, like that just throws me up. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. And then we have, kicking off our Kubrick Fest, Dr. Strangelove playing on Monday and Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Let's colorize that. There you go. Yeah. Wow. God. That would be amazing. But I don't know. What do you say about Dr. Strangelove? It's like... I think the funniest thing about Dr. Strangelove is a movie that is considered a classic now. I went back and just writing up the little blurb is that it was nominated for four Oscars including Best Picture but didn't win any. Mm-hmm. So it, it got a few nominations but it didn't win any awards for from the Oscars. It did win... 
four BAFTA awards, including Best Film. So it got more awards over in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I, if I remember correctly, I don't think it was a big hit. I don't think many of Kubrick's films were big hits. Yeah. Well, 2001, I guess, was. Was it? Yeah. It made Kier Delay a household name for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember somebody saying that... If the Shining. The Shining yeah, the, was the, the, the Shining. Sh- I guess The Shining must have been his biggest hit. Because The Shining, the only thing I remember, which is, again, a bizarre thing to look at awards and stuff like that, is that The Shining won, like, a Razzie Award for Best Ooh. best Worst Film or Actor or something. But it, it was, like, of the time, did get a lot of panning, yeah. despite now being considered this cornerstone, like, the best horror film ever made. Yeah. It's always interesting to look back on that and think, like, wow, I wonder what the horrible movie coming out now is going to be Seriously. considered great in 40 years. Uh, it's not really Well, and especially with just the deluge of stuff that comes out nowadays. Like, yeah. it's just so hard to keep up with things, let alone mm-hmm. what's bad now and amazing in five years like Blair Witch no no, no, no. I'm, I'm holding that torch for the one guy at that screening who loved it it might come back <laughs> yeah can we screen that but uh, yeah so this is our first of four Kubrick films which Lee said came to his brain because 2001 is so in the news because it's getting a big anniversary 70 millimeter release oh, yeah. which we can't screen because they won't let us but they're not screening Dr. Strangelove, and yeah. we are, so... And we are screening the documentary called Filmworker coming up in May as well about... Leon Vitale, his right-hand man. Man, his... what a crazy story. I didn't know this story, that he retired from acting, or got tricked into retiring to become his... Yeah, he gave up his, his career. He might have, it might have been... I wonder if he like gave up a marriage, too. Like It's one of those things where like he really sacrificed a lot <laughs> yeah, of his your, life. Your wife for... or Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's a tough yeah. call. And most of his stuff was Warner Brothers, right? Like, yeah, it's amazing. Like, imagine any job you have. Uh, what, his what, last what? three films. Yeah, like imagine you're whether you're a, a baker or, or you're a, a taxi driver or a house painter, and if you went to your employer and went, "I'm 50 days behind schedule and 10 million dollars over budget," <laughs> they'd be like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> and then he did that every time. Like, just kept on. It's so insane, and it, which is why I find it even more crazy when someone goes under budget, like like Guillermo yeah. del Toro or something. You're like, how? You're like, here's some money back. You're like, <laughs> yeah, what? What? And I forget who it was. I think it was it was possibly it was Matthew Modine or Vincent D'Onofrio, and I saw them doing an interview about their career, and they said, yeah, I had another film lined up because it was supposed to be sixty days of shooting on Full Metal Jacket. I was going to take a little break. And, like, two weeks after that was going to wrap, I was going to do... Th- and it was some other really cool movie. Yeah. And they were like, Kubrick wouldn't let me go. And those 60 days became 180 days. Jeez. And it was just, like, nuts. Like, yeah. just crazy. That stuff is just... I was thinking about Eyes Wide Shut the other day and just, like, how weird, like... Because that was, like, the first one I remember of, like, my adult life sort right. of being aware of throughout. And just, like, how long that took. And just yeah. having that couple as your star and just, like what everyone had to go through like everyone does on every single one of his movies but yeah. still like just it, it just feels so surreal like it, like that it even happened at all kind of thing and I, I, I used to always imagine if Kubrick's life had went a different way and he was a um, you know made wedding cakes and the person <laughs> came to pick up their wedding cake and he went I'll be done in four weeks yeah. and instead of being $200 it's going to cost $800 yeah, like, but it's really good but it's going to be great honestly be the in best... 30 years people will say it's the best wedding cake they've <laughs> ever seen ever had and then you'd think he must have been a really nice guy and you're like no he wasn't <laughs> that's why I found it funny that that guy might have lost his marriage because it's like oh so you're hanging out with this dude who is notoriously terrible to women and now you yeah. don't have a wife funny how that worked out oh Stanley 
But, come uh, to the movies, though. Yeah, but come <laughs> see the movies. He's dead. Don't worry. It's, you don't worry. Yeah. He won't hurt anyone anymore. Okay, so uh, we're going to wrap this up. These guys are on the job right now. Uh, what's what's playing right now? Finding Your Feet? Yeah. Finding Your Feet. I'm going to eat some pierogies right now. Oh, across the street oh, at House of Targ. That's so good. Oh, yeah. pierogies. Bring us some. You can get takeout. So yeah, go visit our friends at House of Targ. They just got a new pinball machine, I believe. Yeah, Iron uh, Maiden. Yeah, uh, which was cool. Because uh, I saw that and I was like, okay, this is perfectly on brand and amazing. But I was like, how about that 60s Batman one? Are we, oh, can we get? Yeah, I know it's like you and me pretty much only who want that one, but still. I played that in Toronto. Toronto. At the after party for, um, I went to see the, these modern times. I went to see, I went to Toronto to see a podcast for the Flophouse, mm. and the after party was at a bar nearby the Royal Cinema, and they had fresh out of the package the Batman '66 arcade game. Oh my, or sorry, pinball machine. It was glorious. That's it was amazing. so nice. Did you listen to the podcast after seeing it? Like, have you? Have, have they you they finally it? put it up a little while ago, actually. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> like, it, it that's was, me coughing. The movie they talked about was. The one that the Jurassic World director did. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, yeah. Colin Trevorrow. Safety Not Guaranteed. That was supposed to be his big, like, look at me, I'm doing a little, and it was just terrible across the board. So that's the movie. If you're looking for the podcast to hear me uh, cough in the audience, that's oh, that one. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. You can catch us on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and at MayfairTheater.ca. And uh, stay tuned because... We have Kubrick in May, 3D in June. Yeah, the three got to mention. Sweet Sweetback's badass song. Oh man, June. yeah, that's a huge. Oh my huge god, get. love uh, black exploitation. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be awesome. And uh, then probably cool normal movies as well. We're going back to being a grindhouse cinema. Yeah, yeah, this setting. is what I was hoping, but yeah. I mean, we'll see. So everyone, come to these movies so we can keep playing these movies. Yeah, yeah, keep bringing your money and watch everything, regardless of whether it's Star Wars or not. Yeah, we'll keep showing these crazy movies. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. 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 Ruthless invaders, a defenseless planet. Battle beyond the stars. escapes on a last-ditch mission that begins at the edge of the universe. Oh, no. The story of a boy who finds more than he expected. <laughs> and all he can handle. Does your species have kissing? Oh, yes. We have that. Try one. That's a hot dog. It comes from Earth. Do you like it? There's no dog in this. Mm -mm. Soybean meal, niacin, dextrose, and sodium nitrate flavoring. That's what we call meat back home. Battle Beyond the Stars. Starring Richard Thomas, George Papard, Robert Vaughn, John Saxon,
<laughs> a battle beyond time, beyond space. They set fire! That ends in a desperate gamble. They'll be able to board us. It won't make any difference. Get that hatch open! No! <laughs> Battle Beyond the Stars.